know, the process takes, you know, a while. Um, it's lovely to, to finally be able to share it with people and hear what they think. So uh, what was the reason for, for like, I won't say there's a delay, was it just you, you weren't feeling it when you wanted to release or you just, what, what, what was the delay or was it just? No, it was, it was more like the, um, I mean, the process takes a really long yeah. time. So when Shane and I recorded it between January 2018 and December 2018. So and we weren't recording all year long, but yeah. it was like, um, you know, for a week here and there throughout the, throughout the year. So um, that that took a really long time, and then then you've got all of the all of the um, rough mixes in your hand, so it's kind of playable to people. Um, but then you know Shane takes a while to sort of mix it, and then takes a while to, to for it to be mastered. So all of that process kind of takes a little while, and then you've got to go through the process of the artwork and the record company and all of that sort of setup stuff. Um, but but also like I I just released a record in February of 2018, so uh, it, it was kind of I mean really it was probably <laughs> probably too soon to re- release it when we did, um, but uh, yeah so it's uh, um, but I'm, I'm I'm just glad that it's out. I've kind of had like rough mixes on my phone since uh, January this year, and it was like you know stopping strangers on the street and going you. <laughs> No, absolutely. It's it's a really I'm going to call it a really classical sort of strain. Um, was that something that you guys really were focusing on? Yeah, I mean the the, the first uh, I mean the first kind of meeting that we really had about it, like I talked about how you know all those great bands that I grew up loving, like um, Goanna and the Saints and um, and Paul Kelly and. Um, you know, all these great Australian artists that kind of created the soundtrack to my life, or to our lives, because Shane and I are kind of the same vintage. So kind of talking, that, that conversation about that sound that we wanted, um, and, and Shane really did, you know, like we had some songs on there, like, you know, big things, kind of, there's, a, there's that opening riff, it's almost a little bit like Friday on My Mind, and and there's drums in in, um, in the title track of Weir, which is you know kind of trying to channel um, you know that great drum sound in, um, in in Paul Kelly's Dumb Things, and so we've used those classic Australian records as reference points to the album. But it's also that like every every song in one way or another is about um, you know what it means to grow up as an Australian or the stuff that lies underneath it, which is the central image in the in the title track, the weir, because it's you know in the weir it talks about that um, that you know that place that we go, the you know the, the irrigation reservoir um, that was really the lifeblood of the community, but it was also the place that you go for fun, like it's the place that you go to swim or the place that you go to um, you know throw tennis balls in for the dogs or whatever. Um, but it's about you know that one summer that I had where the weir dried up and we drove out to the middle of it and I realised that there was this farmhouse sitting there and I'd been swimming over the top of its roof my whole life without knowing what was underneath. So, and that's kind of an image for the record, which is that it's what it means to grow up as an Australian, but it's what lies underneath it as well. 
Yeah, obviously, and as you say that, I mean, you, you use the title track that we and of course the, the title of the album. Was that obviously deliberate, or was that you know did that take some um, thought and process into it? Yeah, well, there was like uh, the very first um, beginning, uh, like I suppose, idea for the record, like um, came one um, one New Year's Eve, and it was about three o'clock in the morning. And it was a selfie that was taken by this group of guys who were down at the weir. And um, I, I didn't know who the people were. They just sort of sent me a message on social media. Um, but the, the caption with the, with the picture was, listening to Michael War at the weir. And I thought, isn't that amazing? Because like my first two records are all about, um, you know, growing up uh, in, in that Gippsland area, which is the community where I was born and raised. Um, and, and I thought about, like, isn't it fantastic that they're listening to these songs about their community in this place that we both, sh- we all share, like, we all share memories of, of the weir. Like, I used to go down there to, um, you know, to, to drink with my, with my friends when, um, when I was younger as well. Um, and so we all share this space, but we don't actually know each other, but we're connected by place. Um, and so I, I started to become really fascinated with this idea of the weir and started doing some research about it. And so there's three songs which are on the record which is specifically about that place. So there's the title track. Um, there's the last song on the record, Last Drinks, which is also about the weir. That was kind of a story that I, that I learned about um, about the weir. Uh, and and that, that is that, you know, apparently the story goes that the last... Um, the weir was built a hundred years ago, but it was built um, in the poorest part of of that uh, that community, um, and it was a forced acquisition of land. So the state government chose the place where all of the Irish immigrants had settled in on the land. They forced them all out to build this um, the irrigation reservoir, which is why there's those farmhouses there. And um, but they, they were all kind of really you know bolshy. Um, uh, you know, Irish men and women, and they refused to leave. So the story goes that that the last of them held up at the uh, at the Glen Maggie Hotel, um, and when the water uh, floodwaters started coming in, when the when the waters reached the bar, the bartender called last drinks, and then they swam away. Which I thought was a great story. So last drinks is about that, and then in the centre of it is this um, the story of the search party, which is kind of my uh, my vision of maybe, well, I suppose, the story of those guys who I've never met before but got their photo that year. So, yeah, that's kind of, um, yeah, that's kind of central images of the record. No, I was going to say, the record for this one, it seems a lot more story, as you you know already explained, a very storytelling-driven. Uh, was that, again, something that you, you really wanted to focus on? Yeah, well, I've cut, those were the stories I grew up loving. Yeah. I, I just love those. I mean, you know, but before I sort of discovered Cold Chisel, like I, Mum and Dad used to torture me with um, Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers records in the car, and they were, um, uh, you know, those car tapes that just told these great stories about, you know, Tennessee and parts of America that I'd never seen before. Um, but I'd never kind of grew up hearing stories told about um, Gippsland, like the area that I grew up in. Um, so yeah, I suppose that that's something that I've always done in my writing is, is 
harkens back to those old, you know, models of storytelling from, you know, Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers. And I particularly like those story songs that have a twist in the tale. Um, so that's kind of, I mean, that's, yeah, something that I love too. But, yeah, um, yeah story songs is, is what I love. Yeah. Mm. Well, the fourth, the fourth song, of course, uh, Mary Lou, what was, um, what's the story behind that one? Yeah, so um, I mean, it's an interesting. Lots of people have kind of focused on that. It wasn't. Um, um, we kind of never had it pegged as a single, but it's interesting that like lots of people have been really asking about it and listening to it a lot um, on Spotify and places like that. So yeah, I, I mean, I think it's kind of struck a chord with some people, but really, it's it's a story about. Um, you know, those those things that you have to give up when you move from being a boy to being a man or realising the things that a man has to do. Um, and, you know, true story, I mean, like, lots of my songs are kind of autobiographical in one way or another. And it was really just a moment where, um, you know, before, you know, it was preschool, two preschoolers, and we're dancing to these records and the boy, the other boy's father came in and said, um, you know, uh, called me Mary Lou. And I was like, what, what's he calling me that for? That's not my name. And it was because I was dancing around. He goes, boys don't dance. Boys aren't supposed to dance. Um, so that's kind of... And it was that realisation of um, I'm not supposed to do that, but it then became even more embarrassing when my father came in. And I thought, oh, no, there's something really wrong here. I'm going to let my dad down if I, you know, enjoy dancing around the records, which all little kids do. Mm. Um, and, I, and I think there, there is something about um, the embarrassment of being, as a little boy, being called a girl's name, you know, like a you know, false bullying, that mm. <laughs> um, kind of put, you know, and, and when I had the memory of it, it, it actually embarrassed I mean, have you got the, the feedback you received? And of course, people, you know, listening to the song have their own interpretations of how, you know, it affects them personally. But have you got a lot of, you know, people having a similar sort of story to you where, you know, they were a lot younger and their fathers or the grandfathers would say, hey, you know, stopping a Mary Lou, basically? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that was one of them. I, I, I spoke to this man who, um, uh, who is a, a gay man mm. and he talked about the, the power of that song about, you know, how, how he kind of felt like ostracised by his, his dad and, and that song brought back a very strong memory of that to him. But he, 
even when I was recording for Shane, like he was having these strong memories of, yeah, I remember this, um, this my friend's father, as he said, you know, and recounted some of the things that, that were said to us and we were kind of, uh, I mean, I know that still happens to some of our boys today. Like I, I kind of raised my son to be, you can be whatever you want, you can... Um, you can enjoy whatever whatever you enjoy. And mm. He happens to love gardening and, and dance music, um, but uh, but you know, like it is, it's. I think that we kind of. I, I hope that things are starting to turn around a bit. Mm. The truth is, probably there's still lots of men who experience that um, shaming mm. about um, about you know, uh, you know loving things like music or mm. dance or um, whatever it is that they. Love, yeah. yeah, well, I guess, I mean, it's been engraved in us as a society for, you know, hundreds of thousands of years. It's just not going to, you know, unfortunately change over a few generations. It's going to take a long time. Uh, the one thing I found, right. yeah. yeah, the one thing I was going to say, I mean, really one thing I do love about this album is the fact that a lot of albums, you know, you can put six or seven, eight or ten songs in it and some of them are just, they feel like fillers off the album. The, um, the middle part of the album, Down in the Valley and Royal Gold Police, is a real change of pace and a really quite a, it takes a turn almost. Was that, again, something in the album you wanted to change up? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really, like I said, the, the record is very much about growing up Australian. And and I, I, um, I mean, with Down in the Valley, there were things that were happening in the community where I was raised um, that, that were, um, I think, really important things that I, I needed to say about. You know, first, well, first of all, that they're really strong people. Mm. Um, and, and you can't get it down, but also to go, like every industry in that community has been decimated. So I, I, I wanted to tell that story. Um, and Warrigal Police too um, was, I suppose, is the other side of, of, of that coin, which is it's about you know the death wish of, of young men in those communities too, who sometimes feel like there is no way out. Um, and um, but but told from the perspective of the father, mm. and um, and you know that moment when the world turns to scrambled eggs, like and I you know I kind of um, I mean both songs I felt very deeply, and I I didn't write them specifically for this record, but when we were curating the songs that we were going to put on this record, um, it just felt right um, that I wanted to uh, use them. Um, but also, I mean, the, the guts of like I'm, you know, I'm proud to be Australian. Yeah. I love, um, I love. Uh, I, I think that there's lots of humour and lots of hope in, in us as Australians, and, and I hope the majority of the record captures that. So that's why, like, it begins with you know, there's, there's a whole lot of very <laughs> upbeat songs at the start of that record before you start to delve into what what lies underneath it. But like I said, that's that's the general picture of the record, and that is that it's um, that we are we are all of those things. We do have a sense of humour, we do have hope, we do have strength, um, but it, but there is some stuff that lies underneath it too that that also makes the texture of who we are as, as Australians. Well, that's the thing. You have to make an album that's true. I mean, you you, you know, and obviously true to you. So it's 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 pointless. It's, just making an album that everyone's going to just like because it's not political or it's not going to offend or, you know, whatever else, because music is there to be, you know, truthful. 
and you know your story and you know what you're talking about is real to you so i mean you have to talk about those tough yeah. tough subjects i mean on a personal front of you how hard is it to to go into that mindset or go deep dive into those issues I mean, I have a self-editing thing when I when I write, and that is I always kind of, um, if something moves me, like if I have an idea uh, for a song, which is a, you know, some, and sometimes a song might start as a line, or, a, or an idea, or a comment that someone might make, or um, a story that I've heard, um, if it's something that really moves me, then, then I have to... I have to respond to that artistically. I don't necessarily share all those songs that I write because I write a lot. Um, I don't necessarily record all the, those songs that I write, but I, I mean, I hope, um, and, and maybe this is the point of all art, that it, it helps to express a part of me so you get that kind of release of letting go of some of that stuff. Like Warrigal Police, there's a lot of that song which is about, um, I think, that fear that every father has of, you know, what, what if something goes wrong for my son? What if something happens to my kid? Like, what would that moment be like? Um, so there was something about the writing of that song that felt a bit like confronting that part of myself and, and letting it go. Um, uh, but also, um, I think that there's kind of an integrity about songwriting. It's like, if you can't be honest when you're making your own art, I mean, where can you be? Um, yeah, so I, um, what I think, what I've loved about talking to other people who've listened to the record is that that often it's been a reminder or a trigger point to them about something in their lives. Like I, my son's still alive. I don't, I haven't lost my son like the father in Warrigal um, Police. Um, but you know, there's been a, a couple of dads who have lost a son, and um, and and they've said. You, you brought me back to that moment. And um, so that was a kind of uh, honour. And I kind of initially, the first person who said, I, I apologise, said, I'm really sorry. And he said, no, thank you. Um, it was really, it was really important to be reminded of him and for that moment. And you did it but well. It was, uh, that's been sort of the, the most beautiful compliment I've had is when, well that's you know that's that's as an artist i guess that's that's what you want to you know an ultimate achievement would be you know that your song has touched someone to that sort of to the core basically as a human being i mean that that is a, a rarity and you know and so far, you know, I'm not a father, so I can't, you know, even understand that the heartache and pain that, you know, losing your son or daughter would be, I mean, it'd be, you know, unimaginable. On on a light that's probably a little brighter, I must admit, um, the other song I want to talk about before we finish off with this interview is Big Things. Ah, uh, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I, I, well, I, what I love, I, I love playing a lot because there's so many moments when the audience laughs with recognition of, of you know, some of those you know, card earnings um, that, that I think is a very uniquely Australian thing. We kind of nothing of getting in a car and driving for you know eight hours on a holiday because that's just what you do. Yep. Um, now that more maybe maybe do kind of like take planes, but when I was younger, it was like the only way up to Queensland was to get in a car and just start driving. Yep. And um, 
Absolutely. So thank you so much for joining me this morning. Yeah, thanks, Jared. No problem. Take it easy.